This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. among us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Why, hello there, folks. It's a little throwback there. That's a theme that listener Ali Mamarian put together for us a couple years ago. I had the distinct pleasure of speaking with Ali and his wife at the Shadows in the Desert premiere just last month. Well, anyway, I'm glad that you could join us here this evening. I have some brand new content for you. Unless you happen to be a Patreon supporter, of course. Now, I fully intended on having this episode out to you yesterday. We went to the beach earlier this week for a couple days. We just returned yesterday. And by the time that we got home, Sarah, my wife and the business end of this podcast, had come down with COVID. Now she's doing alright, but she is quarantined in the east wing of our estate. A.K.A. our tiny upstairs bedroom. I, on the other hand, am completely fine. Physically, at least. I did not contract the sickness somehow. But I still need Sarah to post the episode. So in short, this episode was delayed due to illness. And for that, we are sorry. But we're here tonight, so let's get it started. Real quick, however. These announcements aren't mentioned throughout this formerly Patreon-exclusive episode. So here they are, trimmed down. If you have a story to report, give our hotline a call at 1-888-608-NIGHT. Pick up merchandise at monstersamonguspodcast.com and click the shop tab. That same website will give you the show notes for each and every episode. You can get more content by joining our Patreon campaign 
at patreon.com. Simply search for Monsters Among Us. And lastly, beginning today, September 1st, you can catch me, David Flora, and several other dozen paranormal personalities over at the virtual paranormal conference, Anomicon. Friend of the show, Ryan Sprague, hosts this amazing lineup. And from what I gather, it's all free. Go to anomicon.com and find the link in the show notes. Now what do you say we get started? And as previously mentioned, this is a Beyond Unlock. A special unlock. And now, without further ado, we join the Beyond portion of Season 15, Episode 1, the second half of your Paranormal Investigator special, already in progress. Now I'll catch you all back here next week with brand new material. Until then, enjoy and keep it spooky. Now to get this thing started, we're headed out to the desert. Arizona to be exact. Welcome to the beyond, Mystery Caller. Hi Derek, this is for your paranormal investigator stories. So this took place, I want to say in the mid-90s. I was around 10 years old, maybe. Um, So you're never too young to start paranormal investigating, I think. But we lived in a trailer park. Oh, I'm sorry. This is in Phoenix, Arizona. And at the time, we lived in a, a small trailer park. And we had a maintenance man that had just moved out of the community. And me and my sisters had heard, I don't remember how, but we had heard that his trailer was haunted. So we got together, me, my two sisters, my best friend, and two other girls from the community and we decided we were going to break into this empty it was empty trailer to see if it was haunted so one of them finds an open window gets through a window and unlocks the door and one of the girls that i didn't know had what was called a yak back and Anybody who grew up in the 90s might remember a yak back was just a little recording device and you could record something and it would say it back to you. But you really could only record one thing at a time and it would delete the last thing that you had recorded if you wanted to record again. So that was our paranormal tool for this investigation. We decided to break up into two groups and the first group went in and they held out the yak back into the empty space. Um, it was like a like the living room. So they had just walked into the door. We didn't go deep into this trailer. We decided we would just go into the front door, stand by the front door, hold the yak back out to record, and then we would come out. So the first group, which consisted of the two girls and one of my sisters, went out there, went into the house, held it out and then they came back and we listened and we didn't hear anything and so it was my group's turn so my best friend her name was cassie she was in front of me holding the yak back and then i was behind her and then my other sister was behind me so we went huddled together because we were scared and my best friend cassie was holding out the yak back into the empty space 
probably in there for maybe 60 seconds, maybe more. Um, this was a long time ago, but I remember it wasn't that long, a couple of minutes maybe, when suddenly it was just like a jolt of energy went through all of us and we all screamed at the same time and we ran out. And it was so weird because we were like, why did we all of a sudden get so scared? We we're kind of laughing at ourselves, but we had ran out and they were asking us, why'd you scream, why'd you scream? And we we're like, we don't know. And just laughing embarrassingly. So we start listening to the yak back and you hear the silence for a couple of minutes or however long it was. But then you hear a man's voice go, get out. And then you hear a scream. And so of course, when we heard that, we all freaked out. We listened to it again. Obviously, unfortunately, that yak back wasn't even mine, so that recording no longer exists. But it was a pretty scary experience for some preteen girls. <laughs> um, so I thought that that would be a good story for your paranormal investigator special. Um, thanks for all that you do, Derek. Bye. Thank you, caller, for ringing in. And you're absolutely right. You're never too young to begin an interest in the paranormal. B&E, however, there probably ought to be an age limit for that. And that's breaking and entering for those that haven't seen enough cop movies. But it's riveting stuff, Collar. And to be truthful, I can't help but wonder why the kids thought the trailer was haunted in the first place. Were there stories surrounding the location? Was the man acting strangely... Or perhaps it's a story all to itself. Either way, thanks again, caller, for sharing the entry. And a huge thanks to you for sticking around for this bonus content. I have a killer show set up for you. Plenty more of these paranormal investigator stories. Stories just like Jennifer's. Out of the state of Washington. Hey, Derek, this is Jennifer calling out of Seattle. I'm a huge fan, a recent Patreon, love the show, and I am calling to give you a story about paranormal research. So this is for your paranormal research special. So let me tell you about my story. It happened about 20 years ago. I was just getting into paranormal research, and I saw this event called Poker with a Ghost and Ghost Hunt, and I was intrigued. So I signed up for it. It was on a Saturday night. This event was at a place called the Museum of the Mysteries. It's a really cool place and it's long since gone, but you would have loved it, Derek. Anyways, it was an underground museum and you had to go down underground. And the reason that it was underground was it was part of an extensive hidden underground speakeasy. I, I don't know what you call it, tunnels? <laughs> like there were various underground speakeasies and they were connected. And this one in particular had all kinds of Seattle luminaries, like the mayor was there. And apparently this guy named Peter Alonovich, I believe it was, frequented this particular speakeasy. And apparently Peter still is in this space. And now he's called Peter the ghost. And the reason it was called poker with the ghost is because Peter enjoyed and still enjoys playing poker. So 
so the guide, after showing us all the various exhibitions, said, okay, now it's time to play poker. So he sat us down at the table, and I thought this would be a good time because it was going to be a little bit quiet to pull out my digital recorder in the hopes of capturing something. So I set my EVP recorder on the table, and the guide started out dealing out cards. You know, you could hear him. I'm going to include the recording. You can hear him dealing out one, 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 you know, the first round, two, 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 two. And he was dealing out the cards. And he even had a little pile of cards for Peter on the table so that he could participate. And during this recording, I I heard nothing at the time. But in this recording, you can hear him dealing out the cards. And we're talking about Peter because he's, you know, just now explaining who Peter is to us. And you can hear the museum guide say, he might be standing right behind you. And at the time I heard nothing. But later, as I was listening through my headphones in bed, you can hear very clear as a bell. Hi. As soon as the guy says, he might be standing right behind you. It's so cool. We played a round of poker, had no idea that Peter was there with us. But I really enjoyed this story. It's a little bit of Seattle history. It's really sad the museum still isn't there. But I think it might have been my first or second ghost hunt. And it was just really cool to capture something like this. So I'm going to end the call. But before I do, I want to play you this EVP. I try to clean it up best I could. Love the show. Love the chance to share my little tale here. Thank you again. And here you go. Thank you, Jennifer. You know, oddly enough, I've spent a little time in the Seattle underground. A dozen or so years ago, I did a ghost tour of the original street level below the present-day streets of the Emerald City. There was a lot of dust, a lot of junk, but overall, it was pretty interesting. No poker, however, and no ghosts either. At least not that we noticed. Now, as for the EVP Jennifer shared, per usual, I've cleaned it up a bit, and I'll play it here again. Repeat it three times. Yeah, I don't know. I certainly hear the word, hey, uttered by a breathy voice. What is it that you hear? And a huge thanks again, Jennifer, for sharing that entry. Now, if you recall, back in the main show, I played stories from a mother-daughter team. Sarah and Joanne. Well, they had actually called in with a few stories, all surrounding the USS Salem. So please welcome them back with all that additional lore. Hi, Derek. This is Joanne calling from California, calling with regards to the Paranormal Investigator series. And I want to talk about some stories on the USS Salem which is a heavy cruiser ship that was commissioned in 1949 and then decommissioned 10 years later in 1959. And the story that I want to share happened when we were paranormal investigators on the ship. Our family had all joined in to join with this paranormal team. 
and they conducted weekly, nightly paranormal investigations for private groups, for large groups, small groups, overnights. Uh, They had Boy Scouts that would have overnight trips on the ship. And then, of course, in October for Halloween, the whole month of October, they had actual a haunted um, ghost ship. So we had participated in a lot of that, and there was quite a bit of paranormal activity on the ship itself. There was this private group this one night, and again, this ship is docked in uh, Quincy, Massachusetts. This is when we lived in the Boston area at the time. I had taken this group down to the sonar radar room. And this particular room, we never let anybody go down into because it is dangerous because of the steep stairs that you have to walk down to get there because it is four levels down. And there's only one entrance and one entrance only. And then when you shut the door, it gets pretty scary because it's like if you have claustrophobia, you then you better not go down to that particular room. But I had taken this group down to that room, and there was a couple other investigators with me. And it was dark, and we had another investigative team that was up in what they call the war room, that had set up the cameras and they had an IR camera that was down in that room so that they could watch the investigation from the war room. And we had a couple of paranormal devices with us in that particular room and we had an EVP, um, we had a spirit box and I had also brought those lighted balls. I like to call them the cat toys that light up but Those are also a good source if you're talking to spirits and you can ask them to touch the ball or to move the ball and it would light up. And that had happened a lot on the ship. So I brought those with me down below to the sonar room. So while we were in there, I had placed the ball. It was just the one that I had brought uh, on top of the radar equipment. And we were doing our investigation and the people from this private group were asking questions in the EVP in the spirit box. And so when we were getting ready to leave, again, it was quite dark in the room. And so I went to retrieve the ball from the sonar device. It wasn't there, it was missing. And I had asked the group if anybody had picked up the ball or had taken the ball And everyone said no, that they hadn't. And unbeknownst to us until we went back up to the war room, they had told us that while they were watching us down below, they saw this orb that flew around the room and then flew right into my pocket. When we were getting ready to leave, I did put my hands in my pocket and lo and behold, the ball was in my pocket. I did not pick it up. I did not put it in my pocket. I honestly, to this day, do not even know how it even got in my pocket. When we watched the video, 
it was so strange to see how this orb clearly, you could see it flying in the room, flew near me and flew right into the right hand side of my pocket or my body, which again was very, very strange because that is where I found the ball on my right pocket. So that's just a very interesting story. The group thought it was quite fascinating when we went upstairs and they showed us the video, the playback on the camera, and we couldn't debunk how that could have possibly have happened. They could see clearly on the camera that I did not pick up the ball. I did not grab it and put it in my pocket unknowingly. So it's almost as if the ball just clearly disappeared and then reappeared in my pocket. So that, again, is one of the many, many stories that we have experience of on the ship itself. So thanks, Derek. I hope you have a great night. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, Derek. It's me again, Joanne from California regarding your paranormal investigator series, um, calling once again with regards to stories that took place on the USS Salem. This is a story that took place in Quincy, Massachusetts, aboard the USS Salem when we were paranormal investigators at the time with this paranormal team. We were conducting a tour on the ship and we had approached one of the rooms on the ship, which was like a hospital room. First, a little bit of history on the ship itself. It was um, commissioned in 1949, and 10 years later, in July 1959, it was decommissioned. But in 1953, it was deployed to the Ionian Islands off the west coast of Greece, because there was a devastating earthquake that had hit the island and it caused a lot of gas explosions and there were many, many burn victims out of this. And so the ship itself was a hospital or an emergency vessel to care for a lot of the burn victims, a lot of the people on the island who needed a place to to stay. So... We were in this hospital uh, room, and we were told that there were several births that had taken place from those victims from the island. So while we were conducting a spirit box investigation, and we thought this was quite interesting because when you were on the ship, you were below some levels, and because of the thickness, obviously, of the steel of the ship, you don't get any interference whatsoever or frequencies. So anything that was captured on the spirit box was pretty much considered legit because 
it was very difficult to get any sort of transmission through. But we were conducting a spirit box session, and we had asked if anybody was, you know, in the room with us. And we heard a voice of a little boy. So we asked the spirit if he was alone, and he said no. Then we asked how old he was, and we heard the number eight. And then we asked what his name was. And then the name that came through the spirit box was Philip. So we all thought that that was quite fascinating to hear. So then the following week, we did another tour and we had a group with us. And we were telling them the story about what we heard on the spirit box in that particular room because we were back in the hospital room while we were doing the tour. And this time we asked the people to do their own investigations. That was all part of, of the tour itself is you could bring your own paranormal equipment. You can ask your own questions. You could be um, the ones leading the tour. So there was a lot of active participation. So one woman held a EVP device or a spirit box and asked similar questions. And again, a voice of a little boy came on the spirit box. And so she said, oh, well, how old are you? And again, the number eight came through the spirit box. And then she asked, what is your name? And honestly, I didn't think we were going to get anything thinking it was some other person coming through. But we were quite surprised that the name Philip came through the spirit box again. And that was just clear validation because the people that were in that tour group, they were all just saying, oh my goodness, that's exactly what you guys told us. And we heard it with our own ears. They were just quite shocked and quite surprised, pleasantly surprised. And then they asked, why are you here? And then he said, Mama. So we figured he was looking for his mother. So it was a good night. The group was very excited that they got some activity from the ship that particular night. And so um, that was just another clear validation of the spirits that actually do roam the ship itself. So thanks again for listening to my continuing stories of our adventures on the USS Salem. Thanks, Derek. Bye-bye. Hi, Derek. This is Sarah from Southern California. This is for your Paranormal Investigator episode. So this story takes place in Quincy, Massachusetts on the USS Salem. Now, I was part of her investigation team, and we would give nightly ghost tours on the USS Salem. And this ship was highly, highly active. We would have tons of different experiences every night, not only from us, but also from the guests that we would do the ghost tours with. So on this particular night, we had just finished a ghost tour, and at the end of the night, we always do security checks around the whole ship and make sure there's no one on board and do a clear. So me and a friend were walking around on one side of the ship while the others were below deck. And we walked past the door and all of a sudden we heard the intercom of the ship go on. And so we stopped and we listened 
and no one made an announcement, which we thought was odd. So I went on the radio and I was like, hey, was anybody trying to make an announcement right now? And everyone said no. And that's when I realized we just passed maybe like five steps past the door that has the radio in there to make the announcement on the ship. That is the only room that has that equipment to do that. So we walked back and we peeked in there and there was no one there. We looked all around, still no one was there. So we're like, huh, that's odd. So we're like, maybe it was a malfunction, even though that's never happened before, we weren't sure. So we continued walking and it was a nice warm night. There was no wind, it was very quiet. And we were walking and there's these big, heavy metal like port doors that are on this ship. And we had them open because we were doing the security check. And when we walked up parallel to one, it slammed shut, opened again, and closed. And we just stared at that port door in shock because, again, there was no wind. And those doors are so heavy, like it takes force to close it. And the fact that it slammed shut and opened again and then closed again, we were in shock. And we went over there, we tried to recreate that, and we weren't able to. And even two of us had were struggling to open, open it and close it. So that was extremely unexplained, that whole situation with the whole intercom going off and then shortly after the door slamming so all we could come to the conclusion is the ghosts on the ship are trying to get our attention for the night and we did finish our security sweep and there was no one on that ship besides us the investigators and we were all accounted for so we have no idea how that happened but it's just one of the many many spirits tales we have on the uss salem It is such an amazing ship full of history with so many amazing stories. And I will definitely call back to share more with you. I have experienced the very first time being touched by a spirit on that ship. I've seen apparitions, shadow figures, poltergeist activity, and many more unexplained things that we couldn't debunk. So I will definitely call in and share more of those stories with you. Thanks again so much, Derek, for creating a safe space for all of us to share our stories and experience with. I can't wait to see what comes next. Have a good one. Thank you both for those amazing entries. And while I'm at it, a big thanks to Sarah for all her help as a moderator over at our Facebook page. The entire team over there does an amazing job of keeping that particular boat afloat. And they make it a fun place to hang out. Now, as for the USS Salem, for a ship that didn't see any combat, it sure did see a lot of death, as Joanne alluded to. And although she detailed a few of those tragic events, believe it or not, she didn't list them all. Here's Navy vet and tour guide Don DiCristofaro with further info on the infamous vessel, courtesy of WCVB, ABC News 5, out of Boston. I would be shocked if there was any other naval ship in existence that never saw combat but saw as much death as Salem had. 
1953, an earthquake off the coast of Greece brought civilian casualties to the ship's hospital. That same year, while docked at the Boston Naval Shipyard, an explosion aboard a nearby aircraft carrier. Some of the guys hurt aboard the Lady were brought aboard the Salem for treatment, and a number of those guys died aboard the ship. In 1956, she was steaming with a destroyer, the John R. Pierce, and they had a gun mount explode, and a number of those guys died aboard Salem. So we think the death toll aboard the ship is somewhere in the neighborhood of 100, uh, and we talked to all manner of them. Explain that. When you say talk to them, what's, what's happening exactly? And we have a lot of tremendous audio that we've recorded over the years. You like us investigating your ship? No. I didn't say we paid attention to it, I just said that. <laughs> now, given what we just heard regarding the Titanic, any ship is a terrifying concept to me. Now, fill that boat up with ghosts, and that's a whole new ballgame. Thank you again, Sarah and Joanne, for sharing those experiences. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Well, folks, this marks the end of the line. And like Sarah and Joanne, our next caller, too, submitted two entries for this Paranormal Investigator special. So here's Chris, again, from Nevada. With a brand new entry. Hey, Derek, this is Chris calling again from Northern Nevada with another once year paranormal uh, investigator episode. When I was calling you about my other one, I was this one kind of came to my mind, and, and I think this one's really good. This this particular story was with my paranormal investigator group. We were uh, back in 2019, and this one's still talked about today. It was kind of one of one of the ones that made me sort of famous within the group. So here's how it went down. We were open. We had a public event, and we were in this abandoned location. We'd been in this place many, many times. Um, pretty familiar with the vibe in there, you know. And and we'd always noted that whatever we believed to occupy that place was very possessive of the location. You know, if you move things from the place or threaten to move things from the place, you'd get intensely threatening vibes. I mean, you know, it wouldn't. It was pretty pretty common that if you started provoking in the area you know things would be thrown around you would get really threatening things on your devices i mean it it would get dark pretty fast but you know we were pretty familiar with the vibe there so that kind of stuff wasn't ever particularly disturbing once you'd kind of been through it a couple of times anyway so we had this public event there you know it was pretty safe and um there was this girl she'd been on a couple of investigations with us you know when we'd been open to the public before so you know we knew her she was cool and she was really into it, you know, she was always very enthusiastic. Anyway, um, there's this back room in this location and she calls me up. She says, hey man, I found a, I found a bone back here. And I'm like, that's weird, you know? So I went and checked it out and you know, it was, it was a bone. Uh, it, it was an insignificant bone. It wasn't like human or anything. It was like a, almost like it was cut for a necklace or something like a round, you know, piece of like a, like a 
tibia or something. Anyway, you know, we go, oh, that's cool, that's weird, and I wonder why Bones sitting here, and we kind of just forgot about it. Anyway, we head back into the main room of this location. She's, you know, a little bit behind me, not too far, and her whole vibe changed, you know, and we're like mid-investigation, real excited, and then she looks at me, she goes, well, I'm going to go now. Just kind of drop of the hat. I'm done. I'm out. So we're kind of like, all right, you know, see you later. Well, the minute she leaves the threshold, all hell breaks loose. Um, you know, from the rafters, things start flying. Uh, you know, rocks start going everywhere. Uh, I had an ovulus machine, uh, which, you know, those are kind of hit and miss. But again, you know, everything started flying. EMF detectors lit up, you know, full red. Our REM pods were blowing up. And the ovulus starts spitting out words like steel, bone, leaving, you know, all these things. And it occurred to me immediately that, man, that, that chick just, she just walked out of here with that bone. So I, I literally ran out to catch her. And I ended up I ended up catching her in the middle of the road. And I stopped her. I said, hey, you know, did you take that bone? And she looks at me with this really kind of vacant and blank look. She puts her hand into her pocket and she pulls it out and she goes, I guess I did. I don't even remember doing that. And I looked at her and I said, you got to go bring that in there because whatever you just did, you really pissed that thing off by, by taking something from its location. So she brings it back in. You know, we apologize, you know, because it was just a weird thing. And uh, everything settled down after that. But I think that was one of the most intense and, and obvious cause and effect kind of situations I'd ever had on a hunt. Not to mention it was one of the most verifiable times I'd ever seen all of the equipment go off at once. Like I said, with the REM pods, the EMF detectors, the ovulus, and pretty much everything we knew about the place came together in that one moment. It was intense. I still never know what came over her. I have never talked to that girl ever since. I don't know if she's continued hunting. But yeah, that was one of the more profound things that I'd seen. Anyway, thanks for uh, the show. Love it. Long-time listener. Great stuff. I hope to hear this on an episode, and uh, I'll keep listening. Good night. Thank you, Chris. Well, there you go, folks. Watch what you take home with you. You never know what might be tagging along. Thank you again, Chris, for sharing. And thank you for tuning in, and of course, for all the support over the days, months, and years. And thank you for returning to our 15th season. It's simply incredible to look back and realize that we've built all of this. But that's enough reflection for now. On to bigger and better things. Monsters Among Us Beyond was written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Delaney Bowers. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And finally, tonight's score was provided by Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, Co.ag Music, and Carl Casey and White Bat Audio. Thanks a million, folks. It's exciting to be back. I'll catch you all back here next week. Until then, keep it spooky. And have a good night.